The Koi Gig Pod on Off The Ball. It wasn't a foul, absolutely not. But no, I'm glad to see the goalkeeper is getting the benefit of the doubt. You <laughs> always get the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. OTB's The Hurling Pod. With Board Gosh Energy. Proud sponsors of the Senior Hurling Championship. Welcome along to the almost weekly, at this stage, bonus pod episode. It won't be every single week, but there are some times when the recording will just get a little bit unseemly and we'll go over time and we add these in as a little bit of an extra. Generally, uh, they make up the questions that have come in across the various off-the-ball social media accounts for the Hurling Pod uh, during the week gone by and any matters arising from the episode the week before. Uh, This time around, we've got loads of questions, including a Sunday game, Pundits 15. We take a look at whether Hurling is in decline as a spectator and also again we're returning to the hand pass because every week we're now getting questions about the hand pass rule not being applied by referees uh, teams allegedly throwing the ball around whether it's being policed correctly and whether that's also an issue about the spectacle of hurling as well so Murphy and Skell dig into all that the rest of your questions from this week have a listen Shane Power and also in 15 first of all Shane Power X are Limerick actually hand-passing or throwing the ball but getting away with it? And Esmeen15 says, Limerick throwing the ball. Story. So we talked about this a lot last year. Have yeah. the referees stopped penalising it or are they doing this more than anyone else? Yeah, like if you were to compare this year and last year, they're worlds apart. You know, Last year there was probably three or four instances <coughs> every game where they were picking hand-passes where <clears throat> you know, they're looking for the clear strike in action. Like I know as a player, right, and we all do it, Murph, you raise the ball off your hand five mil and then let yeah. it off you know what I mean yeah. so it's very very hard to the naked eye or to the neutral or to the person in the stand to actually see what you're doing and it looks like a throw mm. there are some times where I, I think and there's two I won't call them culprits but there's two lads that I say mm, you're throwing the ball a bit and I always say well I don't know who he does this arc throw when he gets caught in a, in a rook he does this mm. kind of one where he tips it out and I'm saying you're kind of throwing the ball buddy and then sometimes Keen Lynch but he's so skillful yeah. maybe just that he's fooling us that he actually is probably creating a degree of separation from his hands to the ball um, but it doesn't look clear if you're looking for the word clearance like an action I, I can't see it I can't see it Is it that big a deal though Murph? Like are we overplaying this because as we watch in TV there's oftentimes there's a quick hand pass or a slap pass or moving it to the side or whatever and we go that's definitely a throw and we see it close up <clears> on the <throat> angle which the ref probably can't see does it really matter that much that lads are possibly throwing it around I think it falls into the category of the four steps like does every player take four steps only when they're no they don't they take five or six potentially mostly especially if players going for a shot these steady up steps that you take that they just don't count I think it falls into the category of that well, well I mean if you were to blow it every single time a player took a fifth step watch how poor Kilkenny, or Kilkenny I don't know where that was going watch how poor matches become and games become because you're aiming for four and if a player blatantly in an obvious situation and you, the crowd will get on their back when it's more than four but if you were to blow when there's a hint of a fifth step we'd have a very stop-start game yeah. and I think where the hand pass is now is the hand pass is more prevalent than it's ever been in Hurling at the moment it, because it's a possession-based game at the moment players are moving to the player in possession popping the ball and until they're after the halfway line then they're really delivering it that's the majority of what's happening so you have I'd say twice, if not three times, they're going to hand pass in in the modern game than there was in previous games. So within that, then you're going to have people who, again, moving in tight spaces, they might be popping the hand pass, they might not be, but they just get away with it because there's bodies in the way. Maybe the camera can see it, but the referee can't see it. And it's hard to be, it's difficult to be hard on referees there because 
it, the, the matches are so tight now there's so many bodies in the way it might be obvious to us might be not obvious to us you might think the referee's been hard on the player it's just it's such a fine margin at the moment that I think to be honest the referees are implementing it as best they can and we <clears> see it in every game pretty much now where they do blow it but uh, what I what I think is you can't look at it as you can't watch it in slow motion like you're not allowed to put it up on Twitter in slow motion and say this was a throw ball nobody gets to see it in slow motion in real time mm-hmm. you have to watch it in normal time and if it looks like a pass it's a pass if it doesn't look like a pass the referee can't decide that so I think if you like if you go on Twitter tonight you'll be able to find examples and think one of them is actually Nicky Quaid and it's thrown it yeah but there was probably 80 other hand passes in that game maybe and that could have been a throw, yeah. But like you said, Scale, he might have actually hand-passed it. It's just very hard. Probably in that situation, the referee does have to blow it, even if Nicky knows himself he hand-passed it. But if there's not clear separation, you have to blow it. But like I said, I think it's in that area now of the five steps with the hurling, or with the, with the five steps where, like, do players always take four steps? No, they don't. Scale, does it concern you too much? You see, I know some people you say, again, on social media, you'd say, ban the hand pass because they're concerned about the way the game is going at the moment <clears throat> I just think if you ban the hand pass yes it'll be, but then you get an awful lot of rooks which not, which I think pe- pe- uh, players are so fit and strong that they're able to bottle you up quite quick so if you can't hand pass it away ball hits the deck rooks throw ins you know what I mean I just don't think he, I think the hand pass probably it facilitated kind of the an, an open game for the last couple of years and people, people are looking at it now as, as the game being very mechanical, if that makes sense. You know, whereas the hand pass now with Fabian area where they're saying if we get rid of that, it'll take take away a degree of the mechanics, and we might get more fluidity in the game because they want to go back to the late nineties and early two thousands. That's what people want right now. They just want fifteen mm-hmm. on fifteen, land down as far as you can, stay in your own position, a man to man. That's what that's what the, the neutral wants. You know, because they're saying that there's the competition is kind of going over, and maybe that's got got to do with Limerick's domination also. But I, I, I'm not in favour of taking away, like, you know, nullifying elements of the game to try and make the game more appeasing to, 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 to neutrals, going to call them. Like, just, it's up to every other team to get better. That's it, you know what I mean? Simple as yeah. that. I think as well, if you get rid of the hand pass, like you're saying, rooks do happen because a player now has to resort to, let's say, <clears throat> let's say, for example, Kilkenny are playing Galway tomorrow. Kilkenny are attacking, Galway turn over the ball. Now, Mannion has the ball in a cornerback and he wants to pop the ball out to someone, but he can't by a hurling stick. Kilkenny can slow down the game like we see in football where they just go in on top of him, create a free, sit back and let the free be put down on top of him, whatever, grand, mm-hmm. so they can reset. But the hand pass allows Park Mannion to even go to his knees, pop the pass out, Dahi Burke moves it out and now the game is still moving. So we don't have this place of the game breaking down, teams being able to reset with cynical fouls. Because a player in a tight situation can pop that pass off, like you said, I think it just it, it actually promotes free flowing hurling. So I think it would actually, where you see it very marginally in a small in a small like I suppose strata of the game where lads go, oh, it's it's poor in that element. I think in the greater scheme of things, it actually promotes free flow in the game. Lads being lads being really good at hand passing. Well, Murph, that brings you on nicely to the Sunday pay per view on Off the Ball earlier today. I did haven't listened to the full podcast yet. I will do it later. Um, but I did see a clip, and John Duggan was hosting today, and he said. I don't enjoy the game that is hurling as much as I used to. There are too many scores. The tension has gone a little bit out of the game. Goals mean less than they did. It's too robotic and machine-like for me. You guys are both recently retired from Intercounty. You're both still playing at club level right now. For you, is hurling less entertaining now than it was in the past? I think it's, first. I think it's more entertaining, to be honest. Um, I, I appreciate the incredible skill that is on display like even last game I was at Kilkenny and Cork 
okay, it's not, it wasn't a game for the ages, but I brought a neutral to that game and they were like, this is incredible what people are doing. Like, I mean, the levels of skill have gone to the stage that it's actually your mistakes is what you're counted for now. Like people often give out to say, oh, players don't pull on the ball anymore. The reason they don't pull on the ball on the ground is because there's less of a percentage chance of you holding on to that ball and mm-hmm. creating a score out of it. So players now are incredible at rising the ball, getting it into your hand and snapping a 30-yard pass to a player uh, right to his hand so he doesn't even have to move and move it on. And I think that's the element you have to you have to look at and appreciate. I also look at Hurling from the point of view that so many other sports you look at and you go, oh, when is the score coming? You know, how often do they score? Like the, the, the high level or the high scoring rate of Hurling, I think it's just absolutely brilliant. You know, and I, and I watch Gaelic football, I watch soccer, I, you know, watch lots of sports. But you can't compete with Hurling for the amount of scores. And people some, in some areas actually say that's a, that's a negative because oh, it's so high scoring in games. But that's because players and teams have got to such a level now where they are maximising every element of the game that it's just reached a level that it's... I love it. I just think it's brilliant. Um, yeah, we're always here talking about how we could restructure championships and stuff, but certainly not for me um, do I not enjoy hurling as much as I used to. I, I enjoy it even more again. My argument of this one, Skell, before you come in, it would be that I think of games in recent years and at a time when people were complaining about the amount of scores as well. The Limerick Cork game in the semi final in 2018, I think in the Munster final last year, I think they're matches that stand up with anything that we watched in what we call the good old days. And even yeah. like I think people were complaining about scores even around the time that uh, Tip and Kilkenny had those incredible games like the drawn game that year as well. Maybe that's the period people want to go back to as opposed to back to the 80s or 90s. But even then, I remember people complaining that the ball was too light. It was moving too much. There were too many scores within games. I think these games stack up with any hurling we yeah, this, see, this, see, how much time do I have here, Will? Because this, I can go really deep into this, you see. I don't mind going... <clears throat> no, I see. When you've got neutrals watching the game, right, they, they only see what's directly in front of them. Do you know what I mean? They only see the ball moving from here to here and the score. They don't really look at the intricacies of the game. So I, I agree 100% with Morph. I am in awe of the likes of Limerick where they can take a score last weekend against Tipperary and they can hit six passes the full length of the pitch, let's say, walk six passes up, not one ball hits the ground. I guarantee you, and I, I make this a bold statement to people who come at me now, in 1980s and 1990s and most thousands, there was no team, no team that scored a point without the ball dropping in six passes. I bet you it wasn't. Because just the level of skill has gone to a level whereby <clears throat> we haven't seen it ever before. You know, and I you talk about enjoying the game. I love the game now because it's much, much harder, would you, would you believe, to prepare for opposition because the level has gone way up. The level of ball, ball retention skills is crazy. Ball handling skills is crazy. The distribution has gone gone crazy. If you don't hit a lad you know, straight to his hand beside your face, it's a bad pass nowadays. Mm. You know, there's no such thing yeah. as pulling on the ball. That's gone over the game 10 years. <laughs> you know, if you cast aside, you're pulling the ball nowadays. You know what I mean? And it's just... What's happened is is is, is teams uh, and probably hurling people as, as a whole have honed in so much onto the game, the intricacies of the skill level, to, to get better. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So like teams looking at we have to hold the ball, the level of difficulty goes way up, but then your margin for error comes way down. Do you know what I mean? So that's why when teams go at Limerick, toe to toe, and try to do the Limerick game, the Limerick plan against Limerick, they can't do it because. As I said, the margin of error is so small that if you make a fine fine mistake, it may turn you over. Whereas Limerick. They, their their level of efficiency is incredible. There's no error. There's no error, and that's why no one can touch them. You know, 
So like when people say scores, yeah, I, I get what they're saying, you know, as, as a common neutral. And I don't mean that to be offensive, but like they just see a pint going over, puck out, pint, puck out, rook, pint, you know, and they think it's just kind of boring or, or lethargic. I think I think personally it's incredible. I love seeing 55, 60 scores a game. So nothing wrong with that in my eyes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the other thing as well is, right, watch a bit GA Gold, and I've no doubt that some of the greats of the game who we've marveled about, like our Brian Whelan or a Nicky English or a DJ Carey or any of these type of you know fantastic stickmen, <clears throat> they would they would transfer perfectly into the modern game, and I reckon they would still be massive superstars now. But sometimes when you watch those matches, there's a lot of random ball Murph that goes into forward lines. There's a lot of pulling on the ball just to put it ten yards up the pitch. That the possession based teams now would just go around them. Now I know mm. that's not entirely making the entertainment point, but sometimes we can look at it with rose tinted glasses because I think some of us look back at you know the democratic age of the nineties where you had teams like Offaly and Clare and Wexford and Limerick getting to All Ireland finals at the time, and um, you know say the big three were maybe on a slight downwards trend and people enjoyed yeah. it because of the novelty. But I reckon if you go back and watch it now. The games are of a better standard right now than back then. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and it is that rose tinted glasses. And it's really for any sport, is, is that is the case. Like, you look back romantically at your own time, but you know, speaking from my own, uh, let's say when I joined Kilkenny in 2011, it was absolutely acceptable to win a ball in Rome backline and just blaze it up the pitch. And, right. tall. and it, was, yeah. it was a great clearance. You know, brilliant. You go into Nolan Park, you go up to Pierce Stadium now, and you get the defender winning the ball, and he just drives it. We'll listen to the groan of the crowd because they know where the game has gone now. You can't do that anymore, Turnover. and like that just shows where the game has gone because it's now more difficult. If if your only job is to win the ball and drive it up the pitch, and that's your job done, it's the forwards' fault after that, whereby uh, he doesn't win it. Well, like I mean, happy days for me, like you know, but. Even in that 10 years, 12 years, well, look, it, it evolved much quicker than that. But there's so many things you wouldn't get away with. And there's no doubt about it. I'd agree with you fully. Those players back in those days, that was just the conditions in which they were playing in. And I think if you put them into the conditions now, let's say and they grew up in this time, it's it's the attributes that they had that made them great players, that they were always willing to work harder than other players. And they would adapt and they'd put into this game. But I guarantee if we're sitting here now in 10 years' time, we'll be looking back at the game now going geez, those teams actually weren't as good as we thought they were. That's only because we know what we know now. Someone will come along and bring it to another level. Like this Limerick team at the moment, if you go back and they were to play the 2006 Kilkenny team, which loaded with stars, great team, they would beat them well because they use the oh. ball so much better at the moment. Well, they would. But do, you, I'm saying so, that, do you really believe that? Because this is the great um, what if, like people say, well, what, uh, yeah, the well, Kilkenny team nearly is, did the five in a row. You think Limerick would beat them and beat them well? Based on the same game, plan. game style. if it was a game style of, but I'm, but if we were to do the, exactly as we were saying at the start there of that Kilkenny team having time and hurling to the same level, or sorry, using the same structures the Limerick team are using now, that's a different, like, that's a completely yeah. different. But I would say, like, you know, if you put Limerick out, even against us in 2014, like a great team and men's game and stuff, but what Limerick were doing would have changed the course of the game. And you don't know after that. So all I'd be saying is that like even the greatest teams, if you go back and look at what they did on their day, it's that wouldn't be acceptable now. That's all it is. And it's it's a case of, like I said, in 10 years' time, what Limerick are doing right now won't cut the mustard in 10 years' time. And that's just the natural evolution of it. And mm-hmm. going back to where we all bring it, it's just that it's it's excellent to see where it is at the moment. And I, I know what John Duggan is saying, but I, as as a as a player, can recognise the game has gone to another level, and I really I really enjoy it. 
Yeah. Showtime Murph was in contact on Instagram as well. This is not Paul Murphy, by the way. He didn't get this fantastic username uh, before Showtime Murph put his together. Definitely um, give it to himself. Yeah. <laughs> Skell, it's my Hollywood name. This question could be for you. After Kilkenny, who is best placed to challenge Limerick? Showtime Murph is putting Kilkenny second, by the way. That's just the implication of this message. I don't disagree with him. Fair enough. So who's next best? Um, injury free. <coughs> You can say Galway, by the way. We're not going to slag you. There's no. Yeah, no. See, I see. I know. Like, I am going to say Galway. Like, mm. you know, they. Yeah, they are. No, I'm. Conf- I'm confidently going to say Galway is number three. You know, um, you're going to ask me why. You know, well, hang on. It's not, not necessarily three. It's who has the who's best in position to go at Limerick. It doesn't necessarily have to be like they're after That's, the league now. They're ranked three. I would say. Oh no, it's, it's a great point. Yeah, it's it's yeah who's, me, who's horses for courses? Who's best to beat Limerick? Yeah, for Galway, because I think I think Galway have uh, and traditionally we've always had a good mixture of strength and, and ball capability, you know, and skill. So I think Galway Galway are the best team to go at them. So, uh, in, in current form, I, I don't disagree with Kenny. To be honest, I, I think that they're on merit to be number to consider number two. Um, but I just think if Galway can get to the level where I think they can get to, you know, they can give Limerick a good shot. Uh, non-showtime Murph who would you pick um, I would at the moment I'd go with Cork at the moment did you just drop your pen and discuss I did yeah I did, so you, did, no. you, did name, you did name a dumpy on it because now go on, go on. We, we've, we've talked Cork down in big games and we've talked in the fact they can't maybe get to that level and beat Limerick so go on explain before I throw my pen well, what I would say is that he is saying who is, the question is basically who's best positioned to have a go at Limerick. Yeah. I do believe Cork have the necessary players to have a go at Limerick. I also believe Galway do, but Galway haven't shown as much edge in this league at the moment, which I know Galway will be disappointed in, and they have brilliant players to introduce back. Like I know when the likes of okay Dahi Burke is back at the end, but like to Finton Burke and these lads, Cahill Mannion, and they have those lads back in the team. But there's a few unknowns there. There's lads carrying injuries with those lads. Tonight, who's the best team after Kilkenny? I think Cork at the moment are the best team. But I will say this in. Four or five weeks' time, we'll, we'll revisit that because at the start of this year, I would have said Galway. Okay. But just based on, I give Crocker credit, they've, they've shown flickers of being aggressive. And, you know, they, they've, like, they've really put it up to Limerick at different times when they're on, on song. So I'm going to give them their credit at the moment and say, Cork, have the players there to go at them. Okay. Uh, this one's more a comment than a question coming in from RN80. Is Munster hurling so sacred that Kerry have to play in Leinster Interprovincial Minor Hurling Championship? The thing is, RN80, teams outside Munster, they're all coming in to play in the Leinster Championship. We spoke last week about uh, you're involved with Galway Scale, going to play Antrim in a Leinster venue where it was Connacht versus Ulster. You've got Kerry, who unfortunately have taken a, a couple of heavy defeats in the Leinster Minor so far. But this kind of reflects senior back down in a way that like Leinster is the province where teams from outside come in to get competitive games in the two tiered competitions in Leinster and Munster stick to the five counties that's just what the case at the moment scale isn't it yeah look I, and I can see the logic behind it to be honest because like one would argue that the level of competition would be just just a step or two too high for Kerry yeah and so if they come into Leinster there's probably a <clears throat> It's probably more of a eleven playing field. Now, it's, obviously, there's a couple of teams in Leinster that can that can subject you to a hammer and two. Well, but, like, I, I to be fair, to Kerry, 
Kerry found it very difficult against both Wexford and Offaly in these first two weekends and mm-hmm. maybe when you see the, the beatings that Kildare have been handing out that maybe Kildare should have been in Tier 1 and Kerry should have been in Tier 2 but the tier is notwithstanding you can probably understand why Kerry are going into that province Yeah I, I can understand it of course and I think if you look at the you know, the competition as a whole they'll probably get more more from playing Leinster than playing Munster because to be, to be honest and reality would, would tell me that if they go into play Munster and they play any of the, of the, the five teams that's there at the moment it's it's 15-20 points all day hammered you know what I mean and that's just the way the game is structured at the minute it's just the way it is uh, for, for, for Munster and so that's why probably Leinster is more appealing to the to the carries and the Antrims and, and, and what not so it's just it's a time thing like it's just where, where, where the game is at at the moment that they have to just um, suffer the hard road I'm afraid Bo Lawler is going to get me ranting about under 20s and the season and everything but anyway his question is does Derek Ling call on the 320s or just Billy Drennan who is guaranteed time and what would the players want so the 20s are overlapping at the moment with other competitions so mm-hmm. a lot of the teams are playing 20s on either Friday or Saturday there's another round of games I think which goes across Thursday to Saturday of next week uh, with the group stage this year and I know in Offaly's case they're under 20 captain was basically restricted in playing the Division 2A final today, Charlie Mitchell. He came on and was very impressive in the second half, but his game time had to be managed over the two days because these two competitions are running uh, overlap. And Charlie Mitchell's going to have the same issue next week when Offaly 20s play before the weekend and then he'll be playing on Saturday in the first round of the Joe McDonough. This is true of the counties in the senior championship as well, Murph. That um, It becomes very awkward for 20s, who I'm sure would love to be playing both competitions, but you're taking a real risk with their game management at the moment, depending on how much you want to play them. Yeah, it's not an easy one at all. Um, and it's a tough one. It's tough for the under 20 players themselves because like under 21, when I was playing it, it's it, like, there's great memories to be had there. It's a great opportunity to play with your own group of players really for the last time because lots of those players won't make senior level. Um, and it's disappointing to see that, you know, potentially these incredible players are going to miss out playing at the level, you know, that they're the big fish really at the moment, you know. So decisions have to be made. To bring you back to Bo Lawler's question, um, I think Drennan is the only fella at the moment where you're saying that, you know, the senior team will go, well, like you have to look at it from the point of view to go, are we lesser of a team if X, Y or Z isn't playing? And I think Billy Drennan at the moment, you know, he is in the top six forwards for Kilkenny. So if you're not playing him so he can play under 20, well, Kilkenny are kind of rolling the dice there, not that they don't technically have their strongest 15 out. Um, so out of the three, like out of the under 20s that are there, I think Billy's the only fella that is nailed on. Um, and I don't think he had, they have to risk the rest of them because if you're looking over at a sideline with the calibre of players Kilkenny will invariably have on the bench, I don't think you have to cut off your nose to spite your face by, you know, overusing the under 20. So I think Billy Drennan is the only person there. Like, no doubt the lads will will find their feet over the next year or so, or potentially even around Robin comes around. But I just don't see it at the moment that you have to use all of them. For you, Skell, Tom OL 91, do Wexford have any chance in Leinster this year? Now, Tom didn't clarify whether he meant Wexford qualifying out of Leinster or Wexford winning it. But either way, Assess for Wexford or at if you can, given all the players they had out. Um, I will. <clears throat> I make an assumption that the players are fit. Okay. They've no long, long. They've no long-term injuries. Um, do they have a chance? Of course, they have a chance. But is it realistic? I just can't see them getting past Galway or, or Kilkenny. To be honest, you know, like if you're to put it into percentage terms, I would say 
45, 45 and 10. That for Kilkenny Galway and Wexford. That's what it is. Mm. I truthfully speaking, I, I give Dublin very little chance. Sorry, me and lads. <laughs> but can, can, I, can I go back to your question a minute ago? But the yeah, of course. Yeah. issue. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's absolutely it's a bullshit rule in, in, in totality, right? After you're going to play, how many weeks next week will? Ah, so it's going to get it's to eight. Ninth? It's going to get to eight weeks in a row because What's of the eight? fact the Kilkenny or sorry the Kildare game I should say is not scheduled yet for the week after. And I presumed when I got the fixtures from Leinster GA on Saturday, I'm guessing that Kildare and Offaly are probably going to sit down together to work out whether they want that to be on the Sunday or the Saturday to maybe give an extra day's rest. But Keelan Kiley, who got banned the match today in Port Leash, was basically talking about this, and he said they played consecutively five must-win games in back-to-back weeks now, and they're facing into three weeks in a row before the slight break in the John McDonough. They've already picked up three season-ending injuries during that period, and he was mm-hmm. saying that like the workload on the players, they're going to have to just deal with it and go and play next week. But to even have a situation where you play in the league final that you have to win because of the promotion situation, and then turn around in six days' time to play against your biggest rivals in the John McDonough is a terrible workload on players. This was not what the split season was meant to be about. And probably if you're looking at what's the main reasoning behind under-20s being, I suppose, sheltered from the senior? It's born out, isn't it? I would think so, yeah. Because these are also guys who are going to be elite players with their, either their school, if they're 18 or 19, or with the college team, probably. Yeah, so like, college is over, schools are over, you're heading into the teeth now of both championships. Um, What's the difference like for a 20-year-old versus a 21-year-old? There's none. You know, if, you're, if you're playing six weeks in a row, there's no difference. So there's no logic in whatsoever. That rule should be scrapped, to be honest. Like if the young fella, and I guarantee the young lad himself, and it happened go last year against Kilkenny, where two, in the twenties, two of our best players were used in the senior before we played Kilkenny in the twenties, and you know, potentially cost us. Do you know what I mean? Because they, they, they were that influential, if you like. So I think it's just a shit rule. Get rid of it. It's fine. The lads want to play themselves. Yeah. I just wonder as well whether twenties couldn't find a slot somewhere maybe a bit later on in the year. I'm not like again, this is one of these things where we've got issues but not necessarily solutions. But if it could be somewhere where it's not been especially now there's group stages coming into these competitions, they're not straight knockout. Mm-hmm. And then the football even is on at the moment and you've got first round of the championships next week. There's just so much overlapping games at the moment. It's very mm-hmm. difficult on on players. So I do feel for them. Um Paul Lawler also DM me. And the reason he DM me is because he said, uh, this question is far too long for an Instagram box. He said, I know the lads played with some of the best at the dark arts, but you can take this first, Murph. Is the role of the bastard, and he says in the nicest possible way, gone now, given media and social media scrutiny? So I suppose the point would be that if there was someone who was uh, particularly clever in his bastardry, chances are he'd be ripped <laughs> apart online and especially with the videos because <clears throat> even on the live video last week there was a back and forth going on between two or three people in the YouTube and they were mm-hmm. talking about you highlighted this online and one other guy who put a clip up last week so it was like Tynan versus O'Donoghue and one was trying to get one band and the other one was like well if you're going to get Willow, Bannah, Willow O'Donoghue band I'm going to get Alan Tynan band and this kind of thing goes on so mm-hmm. I presume like if you're going to be caught with the multiple camera angles and everything right now it's yeah. probably difficult to be a bastard of the dark arts um, but yeah the question would be is it still possible for someone like that, given the way things have changed? Uh, I don't think so. I think it's at a very diluted level. Like if you go back and think about some of the players, not that I would have never have called them bastards, but uh, <laughs> I would. <laughs> well, maybe if they're playing against me. But uh, there's lots of things that play into this. Like for example, there's lots of tackles now that aren't acceptable now that were acceptable 20 years ago. And if you saw it now, it'd be on the RT news. And the case in point, 
if the referee threw in the ball and that Claire and Tipperary pulling that happened with Colin Lynch in the boys, yeah. like there'd be news talk tomorrow morning. Pat Kenny would be, he'd be talking about it. Do you know what I mean? Whereas I think it's one of the greatest. I love it. Like, I remember when I used to see that and you'd be pumped as a young fellow watching that and telling Colin Lynch, as soon as you've seen Colin Lynch and Ali Baker and these guys going in and said, this is going to be carnage. Nobody wearing a helmet. Nobody got split. But so you, you bring that forward now. Imagine a referee threw the ball there tomorrow. Limerick are playing Clare, for example. And Willow Donahue starts pulling like that. Lads will want him locked up. So what's acceptable now compared to back then is different again. And I would agree with you. Retrospective bans. Sure, Jesus, retrospective bans now compared to, they didn't exist, what, 15 years ago? And slowly through the years, different rules have been brought in. Like I remember Brian had often come into us. There was a different one every year. Third man in. If you come in and your shoulder fell from behind, the two lads are around and I come in and shoulder skeleton from behind, I'm gone. So, yeah. Yeah, so that's where the bastard would come in before. Like, he'd come flying in behind you. You better go. You better go, because if I turn around, (laughs) I might catch you. But, (laughs) But like, do you know these sort of things? Uh, So, I think, yeah, I do know what they're saying. The lads who are part of the dark arts, like, the dark arts now would be very much pulling at a lad's jersey. Um, Like, you saw Mikey Breen there and Stephen Bennett there a few weeks ago, and he kind of stepping on his ankles and stuff. But, like, you can't throw a butt at the hurl now. Like, that'll be... You'll be banned for games if you do that. So, it's very hard. (laughs) To quote tonight, very hard to be a bastard in the modern game. (laughs) Ask Gail about it there, you know. (laughs) Go on, Scal. Talk about bastardry. I don't know. I don't know about bastardry. Yeah, you actually... uh, Actually, speaking of it, because I know I saw that question. You sent it in earlier. Ear Italian was mentioned as one. That's not to say, like, I mean, that's not me quoting. That's Bo Lawler. <laughs> Scale took a yellow card for Ear Italian against us one, a few years ago. All Ireland final 2012. Tanyan struck Richie Power with the hurl. And you got booked. I remember that. Do you remember you got booked? Red helmets. No, I went over. You were wearing yeah. a white jersey. He was wearing a maroon. Were you in yeah, the maroon scale? Is this what happened? What happened was um, Power scored a goal himself. Larkin came through. Larkin's coming through, and he took a shot. And yeah, and then and I saved it. And Power got the rebound. Is that right? Power got the rebound. Yeah, and Tanyan, himself and Tanyan jostled, and Tanyan hit with the hurl. Yeah, but, yeah, but I don't think he got him very good. But then Power went down, and I, I, I went over just to help him up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And the ref didn't like the way I helped him up, so like I don't know. Yeah. Now, did did you help him up, Skell, while maybe having some choice words while you were picking him up, or how did you help him up? Well, I didn't tickle him like. <laughs> so, <laughs> so get the fuck up, like. Yeah. Now, one actually, I will go back to as well. Not to be telling the whole story, but one I will go back to is uh, there was a great one. My first all Ireland final, two thousand eleven. Uh, Noel Hickey and Owen Kelly were on each other and I remember it was the first few minutes and it was kind of very much I felt nearly like a tourist because I was looking around at like Tommy and Jackie and JJ like the lads I'd watched from Hill 16 but now we were in the middle of them but I remember Brendan Cummins was poking a ball out down on top of us and I was with John O'Brien and we were kind of in position he would he wasn't going to get involved in a, a ball that was about to land but I could hear shouting and yelping coming from behind us the next thing I looked Owen Kelly was sprinting for the ball and Noel Hickey was just lashing him with the hurl, like just flicking him in the in the arse, in the ribs. There, and Owen Kelly was swinging back at Noel Hickey, and the two boys were just lashing each other the whole way out and calling each other this different things, like you know whatever you want to call it. But that was kind of dark arse that I say if you saw it now, like you know, I love that. But now all in good spirit, yeah. like the two boys were just tough as nails. Like no one, like Noel Hickey, infamously so tough. Owen Kelly was a, it was a phenomenally tough player as well you know really hardy and would take that like you know but uh, I always remember that one just laughing at it going geez that's brilliant I love that middle of an Ireland final like middle of an Ireland final two boys baiting each other like asses going around the place 
<laughs> I'm not going to forget about your Sunday game 15s, but before that, call Max 79, Limerick supporter, again, regular question maker on Instagram. So your question's definitely getting in. Who is better, DJ Carey or Shefflin? Paul, you have to pick one. Smiley face. So, Paul, you yeah. can go first. DJ or Shefflin? Yeah, I'm going to go with Henry. I just, if I, if I have to pick one. So, the context of that was growing up, like for every young fella in Kilkenny, it was DJ. Like, DJ was, and he couldn't move for the Black Coopers around Kilkenny. But then, once I was around teenager, the reason I wear a green helmet is because of Henry. Like, when I was, could, could pick a color of a helmet, my first helmet I could pick when I was about 12, up to then they were bought for me. And you had a yellow helmet, you had a whatever color helmet. But uh, no, it was Henry. And even playing with him then, just seeing what he does and what he did. And uh, very weaknesses. Could you pick weaknesses in his game? I don't think you could. Very hard to pick him in DJ as well. But look, yeah, I mean, what? 10 All-Irelands, 11 All-Stars. Hard to argue with Henry. That brings us around very nicely, Skell, to Detux 101 last week. The Sunday game pundits team. I had given you guys a bit of a head start by giving you some of the player, some of the uh, pundits last week. So I have to go back to last week's show notes to actually find who I put in. But given that I'm sure this occupied the other half of your mind for the entire week, Skell, give us who you're putting in your Sunday game pundits best 15. Now, the terms and conditions here is they've done two or more episodes. Isn't that it? Yeah, I, yes. I think that's fair enough because yeah. otherwise right, we're in trouble. Somewhat, regu- somewhat regulars. I was looking at this, Murph, and the problem is that there's a lot of guys who you probably want to get in that were kind of in and off the panel or in on a particular year or whatever else. If we stuck just to the main pundits, unfortunately, there is too many cornerbacks and too many forwards and perhaps Mm. too many goalkeepers that have been picked in the last 10, 15 years. You said too many cornerbacks, and I have to admit, before I came on, I didn't have a number two filled. Well, actually, I'll tell you, the beauty of this is that there's no consolidated list anywhere on the internet. So a lot of it was... Like going into the back of your brain somewhere, going, I'm fairly sure I saw that fella in a blazer somewhere on the Sunday game. Yeah, and I can yeah. picture just these terrible suits in the early 2000s. You yeah. know, like cream suits with blue ties. And like, I can just <laughs> picture Martin Story in one of those, like, don't come with a pair of sunglasses. Poor old Martin Story, if you got. No, yeah. you So I pull it through them. So go on, Scal, you open the floor and I'll tick them off against lads I picked last week as well. This was hard, though, because, like, you know as Murph said were they on it were they on it and then mm. to go and try and find a, book, find a book of evidence or trying to find some article or image it's impossible it's a good anthem I saw <laughs> I, I did mine from memory and I actually misremembered a couple of players last week and had to take them out I was like oh, surely he did the Sunday game regularly and went oh wait he didn't. I'm interested to hear your one now because you're the encyclopedia here now and yeah, I, 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 Wikipedia you, was my source to double check it against and then I had to go from memory some of the others so okay. I think, go on I think I'm going to finish a noble third out of three here today but anyways uh, <laughs> Primi Cummins yet. is in goals yeah uh, Mick Kevin is Carnivac <laughs> did you rob him and me? huh? I just told you. I told you I didn't have a cornerback. <laughs> Before we came on, I said, I t- and we said, we can't change the team. And you just pulled them in there. But I'm hardly going to put Dina Ella or a another in, am I? Well, it would have been obvious the time. Go on, McCavanagh. Right, go on. So I had to put him in like, thanks a lot. Of course, but you didn't remember him. Part of the rules. You robbed him. You robbed him. Go on. J.J. Delaney, fullback. Bastards of Hurling. That's what it is, right? J.J. And Jackie, yeah. uh, Jackie, the other fullback, other cornerbacks. That's three kinglets. Look at Well, Brian Whelan, wing back. Pete Finnerty, centre back. Yeah. Pardy Maher, the other wing. Uh, Brendan Maher, midfield with Martin Story. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. That's a tricky one now. Uh, Eddie Brennan, Henry, DJ, Eddie Keher, Joe, and John Milan. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, You're not tempted well, to put Dalo in there, not to preempt um, no. Paul's team. 
No. Who's, who, who'd you go out? Brian Wheeler and Pete Finnerty probably not. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. See, that's, yeah, it's a strong half-back option. Isn't it, it is, yeah. That's the problem, yeah. The half-back lane is strong, yeah. I'm quite content. Yeah, well, I have another fellow for the half-back lane here you didn't have, and it's not Dalo. So... What county is yeah. from? What county is not, from? Too, not too far from here now at all, from Kenny. Waterford. Waterford. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Moving on yeah. swiftly. <laughs> Jesus, you could have played him centre back or centre forward. Only for the forwards are stacked. Go on, Murph. Where are you going? Cummins McCavna, yeah. who Scale didn't have in before going on air, but anyway, McCavna, JJ, Jackie, <laughs> <laughs> Brian Wheelan, Ken McGrath, Paddy Marr. Ah, uh, Ken's great call. Ken McGrath. Uh, Brendan Marr and Anthony Daly. I know lads will be screaming going, Anthony Daly was really midfielder, but I just, I think he'd do no bother. He'd hurl away their midfield if you know Hassan. So they don't. DJ, Shefflin, Joe, Eddie, John Milan, Eddie Kerr. Honourable mention there, the one, it was, it was between Dignan and Daly for midfield. And Dignan did play midfield for Offaly. Uh, yeah. Never mind a wide variety of places, but he scored, was it 1-1 in about uh, 98? Leinster final from midfield I think it was that or 96 or 98 I think you could have had Dyken to wing forward or wing back as well if you wanted to you could have had him anywhere really yeah yeah. Tomas McKay see I was going to put Tomas McKay in and then I was caught by the statue of limitations of D Tux's original point where he said kind of over the last 15 years or so yeah and oh. Tammy I couldn't think with confidence was Nicky English on it uh, he did As Sky. His, I can't he, remember where he did the Sunday he, game. He well. managed. He managed to career in two thousand and one. Darned. Yeah. Why do I, he stepped down? Then kind of pretty soon after, didn't he? That year, or the year after, didn't mm. he go on? Didn't he go on RT after that? He could have, but like this is the beauty of it. Like yeah, you know, so I can't think. You have to go to the RT archives and pay one hundred and fifty euro to get the video footage because I don't <laughs> remember that. Yeah. The problem is that someone's going to point out someone really obvious that was on the panel in like the late 80s or 90s that we've forgotten about that would have filled Completely, in a yeah. slot and we'll go, oh, fuck, what? And I think of them. That yeah. was the problem, you see. I was trying to do this to the standard that Detox had given us, which was that they weren't just one-off occasions because there were times when, say, like a famous player ended up on the match coverage, say. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's kind of wishy-washy. Like they need to be in the studio doing the Sunday game episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, look, I, I think look, lads, there's great names there. Ken McGrath is the one that I'd really forgotten about, and and he was on a lot as well. He was yeah, Do you yeah. know. Don't be wrong, Yeah, he was. about Skell missing balls in league finals. <laughs> he was <laughs> cutting the back off lads. That's what he was doing. <laughs> Ken yeah. McGrath, Jesus Christ, huh? How I can't believe I didn't have my own clubman Brian Whelan in, but then I didn't realise how much Whelan had done on the Sunday game so I kind of left him out initially and you so thought I, put him in corner forward I had to remind and you he sco- and he scored one six for you yeah it was only when Scale <laughs> mentioned earlier on so I, I had Daly as one wing back Podimara as the other and P. Finnerty as six and then I put Joe Canning into midfield was my way of getting around the midfield problem oh, so yeah. Brendan Mara was an obvious choice in what? midfield yeah I, I dropped Canning back but the problem with this Scale and I looked at it right and I agonised a bit like you after I picked it last week the problem is that when you put Canning back into midfield, it lacks a little bit of balance. It's like, you know, when lads pick a, a world 11 and they go, mm. do you know what? I'll put Leo Messi centre midfield just to make sure I can get all the other forwards into the team as well. Yeah. You're kind of lying to yourself to a certain extent. You're like, this team <laughs> yeah. wouldn't work. Because poor yeah. Brendan Mara would have to do all the running because not that Canning <laughs> can't play further out the field, but basically you'd have six or seven scoring forwards in front of him and lads yeah. running around Mara is what would happen. 
Yeah, I just look your logic is completely flawed there, Will, to be honest. <laughs> Sorry, I have accepted the limits of my logic here, and I'm. You're, you're talking I'm about one of the greatest fame of all time. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I've never seen Skettle argue as to why you shouldn't have a Galway fill in the team. That's just what I'm gobsmacked with. It's the first time you've ever argued against a Galway person being in a team. Uh, no, I'm, he's in the team. He's in the team. I'm just thinking his positioning is questionable. Why don't you put him fullback altogether? Just to have him in the team. Oh, I'm sorry, Skell. I'm sorry that like Henry Shefflin, DJ Carey, um, Eddie Kerr <laughs> are available to go in here. John Milan could probably do a job. Put DJ midfield in. Put DJ midfield. DJ, DJ never played midfield. Like Joe drifted out that Joe. way a bit. Oh my god. Oh my DJ, god. DJ, I remember DJ in around 2005. I think it was hurled centre back for the Kenny up in Portage. Grant, let's put DJ Carey in midfield then, Skell. I'm just saying he did because I remember looking at him going, This is unbelievable. DJ centre back. I can let you pick your jaw off the floor, Murph. (laughs) Isn't this the argument, though? This is what he said about Limerick. Some of these guys could well have adapted if we gave them a chance to play further out the field. Yeah. Uh, Forward never survived in the backs, though. That's the thing. No, probably. They're all too too precious. No spirit. Tommy, except Tommy. No No spirit. spirit. No No spirit. spirit. By all means, completely flamous within the comments or within the messages for next week about the players we've picked. But I I think the challenge is, and Murph set this out nicely, you have to find someone who is a regular on the Sunday game. And they didn't necessarily, when they were picking people to go on TV, went, do you know what, actually, we need another cornerback. We need another fullback to come on. We've ended up with a lot of forwards. That's yeah. the first yeah. thing I noticed with the And the thing is, like, I, I text Richie Hogan before this because I remember he did, like, did the Sunday game do this thing of if a player gets injured maybe mid season or yeah. whatever to bring him on? Like, Lee Chin has been on it. And there's been a few lads on it. So you just get, get rid of those players because there could be plenty of lads there, like Austin Gleason and these lads that you could be tempted to throw in. But it's a kind of a three or more episodes. Do you know what, Skell? Screw you. Lee Chin's been on more than two episodes. Lee Chin can go into my midfield and that frees up Kenny <laughs> to go into my half forward line. Out. Who's dropping out so your forwards? I don't know. Uh, I haven't got quite that far. <laughs> so you're seven forwards. <laughs> well, look, I can drop one of them. I, you actually used the term statue of imitations there a while ago, and now you're at, you have 16 players on the pitch. Like, who are you? Kill McCode. I'm sorry, right? Let Canning go morph. slightly further forward. <laughs> Come on, sure, look at Jesus Christ. Shot fired. Shot fired. Elephant in the room, is Because <laughs> uh, you know, I've got on to my next question. Eddie Brennan impacts up. Go on. So I have gone on to my next question because you mentioned Tommy there. I've gone to my top five and called them hybrids of oh, all time. What is this? What is this? Top five players with an or name. Like you're just no. going to pull. This is top five hybrids. Guys <laughs> who played. Guys who played in the forwards and the backs and were oh. equally as impressive. That's a good question. Is this the point where I bring up that I hurled centre forward for Kenny against Antrim and Case and Park and scored three points? I think if I feel it is what, under four days. No, no, senior. <laughs> You did not. How did you end up in centre forward? Brian, Brian put me in centre forward. I played when I, in 2009, uh, I, I was brought on in the Welsh Cup uh, for Kilkenny midfield um, and scored two points against Dublin in, in Parnell Park. And the following week, we went up, I think it was the following week, we went up and we played Antrim in Caseon Park. And I was a sub. And about two minutes, three minutes into the second half, I was thrown on centre forward and I was just running around striking balls and just three balls popped up. Three balls over the bar, and that was it. So you were in the right place at the right time. As right about. place at the right time. How and did you never play centre forward again? That's the question. How did that not happen? Um, because I was uh, playing. Maybe because Henry Shefton was there. I don't know. Maybe. He's, yeah, he's, he just. There's a young fella called Henry Shefton who was uh, <laughs> at that stage had about seven all hurlers <laughs> and two hurlers sure. of the year. So I just, you know, no, I played midfield for quite a bit after that. 
so that was kind of so they I kept firing it back and back and back and before that only were... slowly before <laughs> yeah. noon I'd be in the goal with the <laughs> useless lads <laughs> I can I can feel a tweet from Omar Murphy already at this point uh, yeah, for that joke. Yeah. Yeah. so go on yeah. Skell have you picked out hybrid players or is this a to be continued kind of thing where you've went hybrid players I have four I don't have the fifth no, the, the guy who was like not playing, but the guy who was equally effective in the forwards he was in the backs. So I'm, I'm, I'm gonna preempt three of your players right now, will I? Go ahead. Tommy Brian Wheel and Ken Ken McGrath. Yeah. Okay. And so you've you're picking five, is it? Oh yeah, and I have a fourth there. Ollie Canning is the fourth. Did Ollie Canning was he was he forward? Come on now, just Fort early knowledge, yes. Ollie Canning for Port Omna, is he? Remember he hit the crossbar against Clare? Yeah, that's tenuous enough now to be thrown into a high... <laughs> he hit the crossbar against Clare. Oh, we were over, we're over the line. Jesus lines. Christ. Eh? I, think, <laughs> I think John Conlon may well be standing back going, you know what, I haven't been bad in two positions here I and he picked Ollie Canning. I feel hard done by here at the moment. But, but I tell you, he was... Like he, Perry Nash, as, yeah. as, like Richie English, these lads who have played fully Declan in the Hannan. Matt, lads hitting the crossbar in 99... <laughs> See, if you were just... And within four all-stars at left corner, right? If you would just saw your mouth for one second and give me a chance, right? He started in the forwards for Galway. Yeah. That's where he was a forward for Galway in the late 90s. And that's where he started. And then in 01, he went back into cornerback. I'd have to even throw Brendan Rodgers in here ahead of that, like, because, I mean, there's a man who plays full back or full forward in two different sports, like, but... Who the fuck is Brendan Rodgers? What? Derry footballer. Hurler footballer. Full, is it? full forward and full back, yeah. Shock Neil. Yeah, there's a man now. Right, not hitting crossbars. He's not going on my list. Yeah, he's nice. nice. Liam Rush, there's another one for you. Can, can I put in John Troy for something slightly different where he started off in goals and then became an elite forward? Yeah, I have Eugene Clune as well there. Yeah, it's a good call. And, Ke- and Kevin Broderick and two other lads. And Alan Collins would be playing goals in a minor final and never touched the ball once from Puckouts or Anton. Never, never trust the ball. Well, I think there was a guy he could have bring Corker. Let's come on, Jesus! How did we mention? He could have been Hoburn. He poked out the ball. There's lads from Cork have already put comments below <laughs> because we hadn't said them early enough. That's not. That's not a bad question. Is I'm happy. With that's that. a good question. I'll give you that. Yeah. You've actually you're the worst person to answer it though, but it's a good question. Put me on the spot, yeah. Put myself on the spot. Actually, what am I saying? John I, love, I love how you've kind of created this like out of nowhere we're like oh we'll get us on the game 15 now we have to have a hybrid 5 um, <laughs> we have a hybrid 5 and just to, just to highlight as well why, why Nathan or Tommy often ask how do you keep doing 2 hours every week it's because these yeah run run 2 questions. hours again <laughs> No, we're not, we're not quite at two hours, but this is what no. classically happens, right? Because I get messages which are going for the pod tomorrow. Uh, so Hurler on the Ditch, who people probably know quite well from Twitter, right? So Hurler on the Ditch is uh, a very prominent tweeter about hurling. And he's also got a website where he um, sticks up plenty of comments. This is maybe just food for thought because we talked about Limerick quite glowingly earlier and we have talked about hand passes a little bit as well. Um, his article this week starts with the general narrative peddled out by the media following Tipperary's 128-25 to loss to Limerick, was a positive one. This is a good game, a great game, rip-roaring contest, was a quote attributed to a high-profile analyst. The truth is, it was the best of a very bad lot, and our standards as hurling spectators have fallen off a cliff. 
totally different to the narrative that maybe was going around. He says, then again, some like this hybrid mishmash of Olympic handball and lacrosse. Some people enjoy the following aspects of modern hurling. A game played with zero goal threat and a shot from the middle third every minute. A game where players take unlimited steps whilst breaking the tackle. A game where there's constant use of illegal spare hand tackles. Where throwing the ball up the field is a skill. A foul that occurred nearly 50 times in that game last Saturday. Where Aaron Galan gets his first possession after 46 minutes as Limerick refused to hit the ball in. The hurler on the ditch, he says, will continue to watch the sport. But the reality is, like many supporters, it's not worth travelling and spending money or time to regularly watch a filtered version version of what was once without question the greatest sport of them all Scal what do you think of that it's a very different take to you now last week that's a bit cutthroat isn't it it is but that's very much uh, yeah. an article which is you know uh, to be fair right that's going to spark a bit of debate no, I, I don't mind it at all like, I think debate is healthy because like, I think debate <clears throat> brings solutions if, you want, if you've got issues uh, but it goes back to the earlier point I said a while ago with regard to how I view the game or how I see the game now, I know that he might laugh. Sometimes it's over-analytical. You know, it's probably too deep in the finer details and just I don't exactly probably accept the, the grand game as it is, you know? Scale, if people are coming to find a hurling podcast where we regularly go an hour and 20 minutes talking about hurling, particularly when, you know, we're previewing for the best part one game next week, they're not going to mind if it goes in a bit too deep. Yeah, too deep. Right, let's go. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> I know, I hear what he's saying because I suppose he's probably thinking with an element of romance to games previously that he's watched, you know, in recent seasons, in, in years gone by, whereby it's just been rip-roaring games, like 100 mile an hour stuff. And like, the thing is, you don't have to go back too far ago as we had them last year, you know, and we're going to have them this year again the Championship. Championship is a different animal in terms of the league. We, we can attest that completely. The league is is a, is a competition whereby you don't play your best teams, you don't show your full hand, teams aren't fully fit, you know, there's, there's still preparation going on, etc., etc. We've covered all this over the last eight weeks championship is where it's at if at the end of the championship we have similar situations whereby we've large gaps in scoring and then kind of medium intensity games then I'll say something but right now I'm, I'm quite content where the game is at and, and looking forward to the championship Murph um, yeah again I t- touch back to rose tinted glasses I think we have this idea that the game uh, 15 years ago 20 years ago that every game was brilliant because we only remember the good ones at this stage but there was poor games back then that you couldn't watch you know um, we have a lot more games now so invariably by having a lot more games you'll have a few good ones you'll have a good few bad ones so I no I disagree with it like I mean again I agree with Skehel and I, I like hearing someone coming forward with their own opinion as to why they think the game isn't where it should be and so on and debate is healthy but no, I stick by what I would have said earlier um, I think the game is at an incredible, incredible level and again it's all how you view the game if you want you know, those old games of long high balls going down and lads going up competing for them and all this. I can appreciate why you want that. And, you know, hurls being broke and different things. But those things are still happening, but maybe just as infrequently as they used to. But nevertheless, go back and watch some of those old games as well. Yeah, they, they are great games. But there's also like, you know, periods there where they're not as great or as, as let's say, condensed with really high level skill as as we think, you know, and that's not to slight any games, but mm. go back and look at some of them games and they're excellent. But there's also periods where you can say that there's a lot of really high level skill at times in the game. And it's just our memory. Our memory of these games sometimes leads us to believe that, you know, 20 years ago was a better time. And it wasn't. There wasn't as many, there wasn't as many teams back 20 years ago competing as there are now. 
Yeah, I think in the interest of fairness, let's sit down, read the article properly, because that came in via message in the middle of our recording for the podcast. We'll have a look, break it down and chat about it next week. Also next week, we'll do a full deep dive and fallout from the Division 1 Hurling League final between Limerick and Kilkenny. So all that to look forward to. The main pod will be out at around about 6pm next Monday. The video 10pm on the YouTube. Um, Huge interaction again on the YouTube this Monday. Uh, Lots of debates going on in the comments. Uh, Plenty of people liking the video as well, uh, which does us a massive favour. If you get a chance and you're a fan of the pod, particularly if you're subscribed here in the Hurling Pod feed, uh, maybe give us a review if you're enjoying it so far. Uh, Stick a rating in wherever you get your podcast from and it will help to get eyes on the podcast to new listeners ahead of next week as well. We'll speak to you next week. OTB's The Hurling Pod. With Board Gosh Energy. Proud sponsors of the Senior Hurling Championship.